You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. And welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, I'm your host, as always, Charles Hamaker, here with you in studio. I uh, hope you've been enjoying the nice June weather. I know we're not technically into the summer yet, as that begins in, what, nine days from now on the 21st. We've got the spring, and you can tell it's still spring, considering the Friday, and I believe it was Saturday that we had, where we got some of that rain uh, throughout the weekend there. But it's nice lately. Uh, looking for nicer tides for some of our teams when it comes to their recent records. Uh, but I digress. We'll still be here uh, for whatever they're uh, going through or, or, or working on uh, over the course of these summer months. So uh, with that being said and moving forward here, we're going to start with our Mariners here who uh, were down in the Sunshine State over their past uh, road trip after uh, heading down to Texas uh, to play the Rangers. Um headed down to the middle of that road trip with a two-game set against the San Diego Padres in the Better Cup. Um, started off nice, a nice 4-1 to win. Our player of the game, right fielder Teoscar Hernandez. Teo, two hits, one run, and two RBIs. As Seattle, you know, nice to hold. The Padres is just one run there. I know they just got Manny Machado back really recently. Uh, and I, I, despite not really performing up to expectations, that's still a very talented roster they've got down at Petco Park. Uh, and it showed... In the game on the seventh, uh, just to split that series there with the Padres, a three to ten loss. Our player of the game, left fielder Jared Kelnick, two hits on the day. Every other run, uh, all those three runs that came across were all on one hit RBIs. So a tough one here. Again, it is a good ball club uh, with the Padres. I've got a lot of good talent there. Uh, not great to give up ten runs in any sort of situation there. So that's not great. Uh, but you know, in terms of the split itself, that's fine. We go over here to our Angels. The Mariners still looking for a series win over the Angels, uh, having played them earlier in the first home stand of the year and losing that one pretty early on. Uh, began with a loss, four to five loss on June 9th as Seattle uh, not able to get too much off of Shohei Otani on the mound outside of our player of the game left fielder Jared Kelnick. Kelnick, one hit, one run, two RBIs, and a walk. That one hit was a two-run homer off of Otani in the third inning. Outside of that, Shohei did not give up anything. Um, it was otherwise pretty solid on the mound. Uh, it was also solid at the plate. Had a homer, had a double um, off of Mariners ace Luis Castillo, who continues to sort of tread water and not necessarily have the best outings um, since his really hot start to the year. Um, ooh. Um, so... <sighs> Yeah, not, not, not the greatest. Uh, the Mariners were able to inch closer uh, in the ninth inning. Mike Ford hit a homer to make it 4-5, to five, but Seattle was not able to find that tying run there. Um, we go over to June 10th. Uh, the Mariners are able to even the series after that opening loss and show a little bit of what we were expecting with this Mariners team. Uh, Brian Wu makes his second start of his young career, uh, has a much better outing than he did against the Rangers earlier on. Um, still gives up two runs, which is fine. You know, it's only his second start in the majors um, after being called up from double A of all places. So not not the easiest route that Brian has had to the majors to this point. Um, 
But some really solid performances at the plate from our two players of the game. First, center fielder Julio Rodriguez, three hits, one run, and two RBIs on the day, including a two-run homer. Uh, and then shortstop J.P. Crawford, four hits on the day, one run, and one RBI. J.P. continues a strong start to the year offensively. Has had a few errors here and there, but otherwise has been pretty solid on the defensive end um, as well. Seattle, as you can see on the screen, not able to complete the series win. Are still searching for one. I believe they've lost their last uh, you split the the Padres series, but you haven't won a series uh, here in a bit uh, since May, obviously. Our, uh, so the June 11th game, a 4-9 loss. Our player of the game, right fielder Teoscar Hernandez, three hits, one run, and two RBIs on the day. Just just looking at this team, you know, uh, it's nothing new, per se, that we're looking with the Mariners here. I say this n- nearly week by week, and we talked about this in the offseason. We talked about it last year. The, the bats just aren't getting it done. And Jerry DePoto's talked about it. It's been talked about all over. One bat that you can add at the deadline is not going to solve all the problems. There's no magic acquisition that you can go and get that will solve um, all the problems, fill all the holes that the managers have offensively. That doesn't, you know, Brian Reynolds will not go and fix that. I know he was someone that people were looking at for the Mariners in the offseason. Um a lot of their improvement this year, at least, is going to be internally. How that looks in the offseason, who knows, especially considering the fact that the Mariners talked about adding impact on offense and added guys like Cooper Hummel, who was in AAA, Tommy Lestella, who got DFA'd, and A.J. Pollock, who's been, been the best acquisition of that group, and he's been mediocre at best. So filling boat holes with Band-Aids is still a, uh, a strategy that the Mariners are implying, and it's not working. You know, a lot of folks thought that bringing up Mike Four would would help the offense a lot. And he's had two homers, fine, but he hasn't really been great outside of that. You know, so again, it, it's there's there's no secrets to, to the Mariners' struggles here. Their bats just continue to flop, um, and it's I think it's put a lot of pressure on the pitching staff. You know, you've had this pitching staff be so great for the last several years, um, including the start to this year. George Kirby looked like an all-star to begin the year. Luis Castillo looked really hot to begin the year. Uh, Logan Gilbert had some strong starts. Uh, Robbie Ray, unfortunate to begin the year with that injury and his first start. Bryce Miller had a really start to his career. Um, Brian Wu, not so much. Again, he's working on it. But especially with the younger pitchers, uh, you can't expect them to sustain that sort of success over the course of a long season, especially with how early it is in the season. You know, we're in June, and this these games will go until like the beginning of October at minimum, unless you go into the the postseason, right? So there's plenty of time for this to be figured out. But it, uh, well, plenty of time is not the best word because you probably need to do that sooner rather than later. You are still in reach of the third wild card, but saying that is just a little disappointing and and, and almost demeaning in a way. You shouldn't be focusing or settling for the third wildcard spot uh, in, in, in June. And, and settling is a generous word considering that you're not even in that spot right now. So, you know, the, the, a lot of this improvement is going to have to be internal. Now, who leads that charge? Who go, gets up in the clubhouse and, and, and speaks to that? I don't know right now. I really don't know. Um, I know that when Kyle Seeger retired, he basically named J.P. Crawford as the team's next captain. 
Um, but I mean, is, is, is JP in, in the clubhouse having these conversations? You know, I know that the big turning point last year was when the Mariners had that big brawl with the Angels down in Anaheim. And they just left that series. There was no brawl this time. Phil Nevin got tossed, but that's just a given considering how bad of a manager he is and the decisions that he makes. But, you know, it's going to have to be internal. Who's leading that charge, though? Who's stepping up to the plate? Who's leading by example? Mitch Hanniger is gone. He's with the Giants. He used to be a guy that led by example. You don't have that anymore. Who is stepping up? Who's saying that? I know there's a lot of younger talent in this clubhouse, so maybe they're not stepping up, but maybe one of them does. You know, it's someone's got to step up. Someone's got to say something because, you know, again, this very well can be solved internally, and regardless of if it can or not, it kind of has to be done internally because you really don't have a ton of assets to ship out to – add a ton of impact and, and numerous bats. It's not going to happen. Uh, you can probably add one or two, but that would be the most that you could do. That would be the very most. So again, it's not a new conversation. We, we continue to have it and it's frustrating that we continue to have it. Uh, I know that there have been calls for firing of the hitting coach. Um, but I've also been told by some folks who, who really do know ball that it's not necessarily the hitting coach. So that's a little frustrating. I think it would make sense just considering over the course of the time that we've had the respective hitting coaches in places that the, the offense has struggled. Um, 2021, when the Mariners almost made the playoffs, the offense still struggled. Uh, 2022, when the Mariners did make the playoffs, the offense still largely struggled and you were heavily reliant on the long ball. Um, and to an extent here and this year, you're still reliant on the long ball. You've got some solid hitters. JP's had a solid start of the year. Julio's a lot better than he was to begin the year. In his last 30 games, Ty France has been has been solid. I mean, over the past week, Ty Oscar, Ty Oscar, pardon me, has, has been strong. JK started off the year hot. Has cooled down a little bit, but seems to be finding it again. Uh, Gino, you need more from Eugenio Suarez. You need more from hey, Cal Raleigh. We could check in. You need more from Tom Murphy. You need, uh, you know, even your bench. Dylan Moore is back. He's been meh. Sam Haggard got sent down to AAA. You know, Taylor Tremont got sent down to AAA. You got Mike Ford up here. So it's like you're, you're searching for answers internally, and, and at the end of the day, these players are going to have to step up, you know, if you want to make a postseason run. Again, we're in June. We're, we're not even halfway through June, but we can only pitter and patter and doggy paddle through the water so much before you drown. So I... I just have to be real about it. So uh, we go to injury-related news. The Mariners get some relief in terms of their relief pitchers. Um, on the 6th of June, right-handed pitcher Andres Munoz was reinstated from the 15-day injured list with a right uh, deltoid strain. Um, so was infielder slash outfielder Dylan Moore with uh, from the 10-day IL with that oblique strain that he had suffered and really started to uh, work back here, uh, work back from here. Uh, unfortunately, as a resulting move, uh, but not as a resulting move, uh, one of the other moves on the sixth was that right-handed pitcher Trevor Gott was placed on the 15-day injured list with a lower back muscle spasm, which was retroactive to June 5th. Um, on the ninth, right-handed pitcher Penn Murphy was reinstated from the 15-day injured list uh, with right elbow inflammation. He did leave the June 10th Mariners game uh, with a uh, supposedly had re-aggravated that injury. He was supposed to get MRIs yesterday, have not seen an updated report. Uh, when we get to the ballpark today, we will probably hear more about that. Um, other resulting team-related news on the 6th, I mentioned infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty had been optioned down to 
excuse me, got nasally there. Um, Triple A Tacoma. Uh, on the eighth, the Mariners signed infielder Didi Gregorius to a minor league deal. He last played in the majors for the Philadelphia Phillies last year. Um, the 33-year-old hasn't really been productive in the majors since 2020. Had some some epic moments with the Yankees in the postseason. Um, most recently played in the uh, Mexico League and really has been slashing well down there. Uh, the Mariners are kicking the tires, seeing what's going on with Gregorius. Uh, I mean, he could be a good low-risk, high-reward option. Um, but uh, I don't know. It should be interesting. He, I don't believe he's played with the Rainiers as of yet. Um, so that that is... Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting move. It's a kick the tires on him. Uh, on the ninth, as a resulting move to Penn Murphy's reinstatement, uh, the team optioned right-handed pitcher Matt Festa down to the AAA uh, Tacoma Rainiers. So the Mariners sit at a 31-33 and 33 record. Um, oopsie. They're, they've got a, a little six-game homestand coming up here, so it's a good opportunity for them to get back home, kind of reset, get back to basics here, and hopefully get back to winning. Uh, it won't be easy, though, considering that the first team that you're going to play in this homestand has been pretty solid as of late in the Miami Marlins. Yes, I don't really say that often. That often. Miami really has struggled for a while, but Miami's coming off of a, a strong series. Um in their most recent endeavor. The Mariners sit at a 31 and 33 record. They are fourth in the American league. He's still only above the lowly A's. So even the A's are on a five game winning streak. Uh, and the longest winning streak that the Mariners have had this season is four games. So, tell you all you need to know. Um, no, you need to know, but, they're fourth in the AL West looking ahead. Their next series um, is a three game slate. All with 640 PM Pacific time. First pitch times against the Miami Marlins, June 12th, 13th and 14th. All of those are value games. So you can get into the ballpark as cheap as $10. Excuse me. Then the next series in that 10, that six game homestand, pardon me, is against the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox come to town for the first time since late into the 2020 season. Uh, June 16th versus the White Sox is a 7 10 p.m. game. June 17th versus the White Sox is a 1 10 p.m. start. That is when uh, the Mariners will be celebrating their salute to the Negro Leagues game. The first 10,000 fans into the ballpark will be receiving a Steelheads jersey. So I, I know I'll be there for that. Um, and then June 18th versus the White Sox, uh, that Sunday is a 1 10 p.m. game as well. Every child in attendance will be getting a Cal Raleigh poster. Um, for that we move over here to our storm who the storm continued to lose games we, we knew this going in i had my casual optimism about a bunch of players who were maybe eager to prove the league wrong and some of that's true some not so much uh but at least with the storm i know that they're in a different era they're not looking to win right now and they're showing positive growth game by game you know after the historically bad blowout loss in game one to the aces. The storm have continued to show uh, progressive improvement gradually throughout the course of the season, despite only winning one of those seven games that they've played uh, to begin the year. So that starts uh, that win. I know I'm talking about it in past tense because it was this past week, June 6th versus the LA sparks, a 66 to 63 win our play of the game. Who else? But Jill Lloyd, 25 points, eight rebounds and three assists. In our photo of the game here by Liz Walter, uh, with a free throw in the third quarter, Jewel uh, hit her 4,000th career point, um, doing all of those in a Storm uniform. Um, unfortunately, 
between this game and the next one against Washington. Uh, Lloyd had a foot injury kind of bother her, holding her out of the June 9th game against the Mystics. And surely if they had Jewel Lloyd, I'm very certain that the Storm would have been able to win this game, uh, a 66-73 to loss regardless. Our player of the game center, Ezzy Magbegor. Ezzy, with Jewel out of the lineup, really stepped up and, and brought her own flair. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 blocks on the day. Uh, in a big effort, uh, it was her fourth consecutive game with three or more blocks, tying Lauren Jackson's such record and streak. I believe Lauren did that twice over the course of her career. Um, but a tough one there. Earlier in the day, the Storm and Sue Bird had uh, raised a replica of the banner, uh, the Jersey retired banner uh, atop the Space Needle just two days before the ceremony itself for Bird. Uh, is also unveiling a mural uh, down near Pike Place Market on First Avenue uh, of Bird herself. Um, the festivities continue throughout the weekend, but first, before uh, the jersey itself would be put up into the Raptors of Climate Pledge Arena, um, on June 11th, the Storm would lose 65-7. Won another tight game. Uh, Jewel Lloyd still has a strong game in this one, 16 points. Um but shooting-wise, one for eight from three, six for 20 from the field in general, not so great. Um, our player of the game, center Ezzy Magbagor once again. Ezzy, 13 points, seven rebounds, four assists, three steals, and four blocks. So she extends her streak of three or more blocks in a game uh, to five games there. Just continues to really look like the second score for this Storm team. Our photo of the game here by Matthew Bermudez um, during the ceremony for Bird uh, in her really bright green neon suit um when she was up there talking uh and she spoke last so sue talked for an hour and a half it was a long ceremony the ceremony itself actually lasted longer than the game um <laughs> the game was about two and a half hours uh, while the ceremony was just a few minutes under three hours so that was, that was a long day um yeah i'll talk about it here uh you know the storm continue to show gradual improvement. Uh, Jordan Horson continues to gain confidence and look better with the ball shooting uh, defensively, just more and more comfortable each game, which will be huge considering the upside and potential that he, she has um, defensively, athletically and offensively being able to hit a bunch of threes in that first Washington game, uh, being active defensively through all of those three. That's big. Ivana Doikic continues to bribe, a great burst off the bench. Uh, Jaden Melbourne showing some solid stuff in the Washington games. Not stellar necessarily. Uh, some bumps there. Washington's got some quality guards on that roster. Um, but up and down, you know, some solid performances. As he continues to look great and her development is is huge. She's only 23. You know, she, she will be a strong contributor with this team for years to come. Um, so I, I, I'm positive of the way that the storm are going despite the fact that they're losing so many games you know um because if this continues to happen they'll get another top pick and they'll add another young talent to the roster for future dominance hopefully um and you know seeing the growth of these players right now is, is essentially what this season is for right i talked about this at the beginning of the year i had my optimism i was hoping that you know uh, a bunch of these players would you know, have that chip on their shoulder that they'd been largely ignored by the rest of the league and that this was a big opportunity for them to really go and, 
prove them wrong, you know, and have these really great years. For some, that is kind of showing up. For others, they're still trying to get out of the gate. They're still trying to get situated um, and get moving forward here. So it really hasn't happened necessarily for some, uh, but for others, you know, the, the, the development is happening, which is, is what is important and what I want folks to focus on with the Storm team. If you're looking for them to win games, you're not going to have the best of times. So, you know, um, yeah. We go over here <clears throat> me, to some team-related news. Uh, the Storm made a couple roster moves, both of them related. On June 8th, uh, just ahead of the Mystics game, uh, the first one, the team waved forward Kayla Charles. Charles signed with the Storm as a free agent back in February and averaged 1.5 points and 1.2 minutes, I mean rebounds, in four games a season, uh, playing an average of 10.3 minutes per game. Uh, so really not much there for Charles there. Um, she was originally selected by Connecticut as the 23rd overall pick in the 2020 draft out of Maryland. Um, she's appeared in 51 games, making 11 starts, seeing action in 11 playoff games over the two seasons with Connecticut, averaging 4.7 points, 2.7 rebounds, one assist, 6.6 steals, and 0.4 blocks per game. Just not a lot of room for Kyla here. I really thought that she might have been one of the players that got waived. Um, it was encouraging to see her after after game uh, the the Dallas game, getting up shots with Aurelia Girantes. Uh, but Seattle decided to go a different direction um, as another player with a different team was waived, who uh, their coach was very excited about. Uh, well, not very excited about, but give a lot of credit to and thought would really pick up somewhere else, just not on their current roster. That player would be forward Jordan, uh, Joyner Holmes, who was actually selected by the Storm in 2020, but was cut before the season began. Um, so the team signed forward Joyner Holmes to a contract throughout the rest of the season. Um, Holmes gives Seattle some size at the forward spot, uh, some spacing on the floor, uh, but is otherwise a really sort of unproven talent to this point. I know Kurt Miller of the Sparks, who Holmes was last with, as you could see in that photo, really raved about Holmes calling her a unicorn of sorts um, and was excited about her potential. But obviously it seemed that uh, with the way their current roster is made up, they didn't see that they had room for her at the time. Um, and Seattle was quick to swoop in and she was able to get uh, action, uh, not in that first game against the Mystics, but in the second one uh, on Sunday there. So that was interesting to note. Um, and it's technically Holmes' second stint with the Storm, but her first time playing minutes with Seattle. So we look ahead here. Our Storm set a one and six record. They're sixth in the Western Conference. Uh, looking ahead, they go on the road for three games after having six of their first seven at home at Climate Pledge Arena. Nice little start to the year. You're able to get at home. You're able to get situated a bit. Um, but now a three-game road trip, which really won't be very easy, uh, begins on the road with Phoenix, who Phoenix has really struggled to begin the year. So that's not where I have much concern necessarily, but who knows uh, with this team currently. I mean, they've got, they've got talent as well. Uh, that game is on June 13th at Phoenix with a 7 p.m. tip-off on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, the second game is <laughs> where my worry really stems June 15th at the Las Vegas Aces. Las Vegas has done a lot of traveling 
to begin the year. They're going to f- get a home game here against the Storm on the 15th on 7 p.m. Pacific time. That's going to be on Amazon Prime Video, uh, probably considering the fact that the last time that took place, um, Seattle got beat by 41. It's probably a good thing. Uh, things probably won't go that great for Seattle. And then uh, the last of those three over the course of the next week is June 17th at the Dallas Wings, uh, a team that Seattle did push pretty hard uh, when they were here in Seattle, but just are not really able to finish that out there. Unfortunately, um, that's going to be at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, 11 a.m. So we got a morning game. Um down in Dallas uh, with a the game being on CBS, the CBS Sports Network, trying to sort of put out where these games are going to be for folks just so they know where to look at them because I know it's not always easy. Um, the second Mystics game of the year was on Ion, so that was that was interesting. I don't know how that works out. Ion is a very interesting network, but nonetheless, I digress. Um, we go over here to our Sounders who... The result here is 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 okay. It's not great. It's okay. The Sounders went on the road to play uh, Charlotte FC for the first time ever on the road. The first time they met and the only time that they met was up here in Seattle last year uh, when Raul Ruiz Diaz had a hell of a hit uh, late in the game to win that one. Raul... Consequentially, uh, had two goals in this match, uh, a really big and strong effort from Raul, who is still trying to really get back to things, uh, get back to his game, and did so in a big fashion as he had two goals and 9.1 match rating on four shots and 92% passing. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the Sounders would blow a 3-1 to one lead in this game. Charlotte would be able to score in the 89th minute to equalize um, and to split the points here after Seattle had a really strong effort. I mean, to put up three goals um, is a nice and strong effort to have Raul kind of get back to himself and the elite goal scorer that we know he is. Um, and to waste such an opportunity is why uh, I start the the the, the Sounders section kind of like not 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 so enthused, you know. <sighs> And it's it's funny because this match was very much the opposite of what the Sounders have been doing as of late. Seattle has generated a ton of chances, but just hasn't been able to finish them uh, while their defense has has carried them. In this one, they they score uh, three goals. Raul has an incredible goal that somehow didn't put him up for eligibility for um, goal of the week. Um, and adds another one. Christian Rodon has a solid uh, goal in his return. So the three... Three goals scored from two players who really hadn't been with the club for most of the last few months. Um, And you waste that opportunity as Charlotte gets through there. They've got some talent there. They had a strong year last year. I don't think they're doing too hot this year. I don't believe they're currently in the playoff picture. We will look at the conference standings here. Um, Yeah, just to split those points after having that. Yeah, they're just underneath the playoff picture. Oh, wow. They're in a tiebreaker with Montreal for being the last spot in, in Eastern Conference. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's disappointing in that regard because you get Christian and Raul back. They have quality games. Uh, you get to score your chances for once, and you waste it and you drop. 
So uh, for his performance, though, Raul was named to the MLS team of the match day, which makes sense. I mean, brace for a rule. It's just fitting. Um, going back to last week on the 5th, Defender Nuhu was named to the MLS team of the match day for his performance against Portland. While nobody scored, Nuhu did rack up an 8.2 match rating, one shot, 86% passing, um, 80% duels percentage, three clearances, and eight recoveries on the day. Those three clearances were big. I know Portland had a couple opportunities late. We talked about it last week. Um, and ultimately, Nuhu's defense and, and hustle there at the end of it was really big um, in keeping it level keeping it scoreless there and ensuring that portland wasn't able to score so tough one uh again to wrap it up with the sounder section here they don't have a match this upcoming week they have an international break before they play lafc down on the road that'll be a tough one the last time these two met um was up here in seattle in a heated draw very physical intense battle uh it'll be very interesting to see where that goes from here i know lafc hasn't really had the best run of play as of late so we'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes but that's not till uh, a week from now so uh the sounders sit at an eight win six loss four draw record sitting at 28 points overall uh, which is good for second in the western conference one point behind st louis um no kraken related things here um the old rain with continuing with our soccer theme had a better result. They had a win in their match uh, as they battled the KC Current for the first time since the 2022 NWSL semifinal match here at Lumen, where the rain would lose that one two to nothing. Our player of the match, defender, so <coughs> excuse me, Sofia Huerta, Huerta um, a 9.1 match rating, one goal, one assist, one shot, a 70% passing percentage, and four chances created on the day. Um, We'll go with her photo of the match here uh, taken by Liz Walter as uh, the rain wearing their pride kits, uh, which are basically still their purpose kits, but with the um, rainbow numbers on the back uh, celebrates uh, Huerta's goal in the first half um, on a penalty that was drawn. Uh, Megan Rapino had gone out in the first minute. Uh, Rose Lavelle is the second penalty kicker and she wasn't in. Um, shoot and then ooh, and i think jess would have been there as well but she's out so basically all of the top penalty kick takers that the rain had were all off uh so it was up to huerta who's going to take it i believe it was originally going to be uh jordan jordan heidemont or bethany balser uh but Hi uh huerta stepped in wanted to take it she took it and she nailed it uh, excuse me um Later on in the match, she had an excellent cross into the ball for Heidema, uh, who used a great header, um, who sided for the league lead in header goals at three um, to really push this ahead, give this the rain a two to nothing lead. Uh, and they would need it because late into that match, um, Kansas City, who has a knack for scoring late goals, was able to get one back. Um, and the rain were able to hold on regardless for the win. The other photo of the match here we have is of Lauren Barnes being honored before the match. Uh, you can see there on the right-hand side in this photo by Liz, uh, new general manager Leslie Gallimore holding a framed jersey uh, for Lou, celebrating 200 career NWSL regular season matches played, becoming the first player in league history to do so, all of them with the rain. Um, of the 214 matches that the rain have played, Barnes has only missed 14 of them in her career. And has been a consummate professional um, 
throughout the course of her career, all of her teammates rave about her. All the coaching staff raves about her. Uh, I would join the same thing there. Uh, so congratulations to Lou on that. I know we're working on a piece for that. So stay tuned for that on our socials. Um, just looking at the, just looking at where we've got with this win. I, it was a good win. I mean, giving up the late goal, not great. I know I mentioned that the current have a knack for that. You still wouldn't like for that to happen. Uh, I know the rain pride themselves on the defensive effort. They've got an incredibly talented back four. Um, so having that goal given up is tough. Uh, going into this match against Kansas City, you kind of should have expected to win this one considering how banged up the current have been. Uh, their, their, their injured list could arguably make a starting 11 um but they got they got some strong performances uh the rain mostly had this match in hand but there were opportunities for kansas city where it felt like they were kind of sneaking and they were making some dangerous runs where uh the rain would have to snuff that out and be on top of that um they would get that one late of course but again mostly a solid job um even in, in net for Kansas City, Cassie Miller, who had actually spent some time with the rain um, back in her or earlier in her career, um, made some some quality saves, almost saved Huerta's um, penalty and kept her team in the game. It was just excellent ball by Huerta um, on the second goal, a great header by Jordan Heidema uh, and the rain move on. They get those points uh, and they continue to try and keep pace atop the end of this table, which is, is extremely competitive at this point in the season as we're the halfway mark. So speaking of competitive mark halfway point of the season, uh, talk about reinforcements in terms of injury related news, the team acted activated midfielder Angelina, uh, the club removed the season-ending injury uh, list designation uh, from the Brazilian midfielder after recovering from a ruptured anterior cruciate ligament and lateral meniscus. Angelina has been elevated to the active roster uh, and has rejoined the team for full training activities. She has been with the team in training um, for the last few weeks, but now it's official that she's off the season ending injury list. Uh, the injury report against Kansas city was just kind of who we've seen as of late midfielder, just Fishlock continues to be out with a leg injury. Rose Lavelle out with a leg injury uh, and defender Phoebe McLernan out uh, with a back injury. Um, and I believe they're still working on that. Rose Lavelle is back to training with the club. Uh, positive notes on that after there was a bit of a, a little bit of a setback. Uh, Fishlock, no real news on her. I know she wasn't available for this match uh, and hoping to get back from that. But so nice little battle there, but we're getting closer and closer to the World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see if we do get Lavelle at all. And even with Rapino, I should speak on that as well. Rapino left after the first minute of the match, uh, had a calf injury appear to injure her. She appeared to limp a little bit during the match uh, later on. But during the ceremony for Sue, didn't really appear to be limping, didn't really have, appear to seem too serious. So hoping it was a precautionary measure and just taking things slow with uh, Rapino, pardon me. Um, but that's what we've got um, on that. The next match for the Reign, as they sit at a six win, a four loss, one draw record, uh, fourth in the league table at 19 points, and still first in the Western, Con Western Division of the Challenge Cup with seven points. Uh, it's June 17th at the Houston Dash, which is a 5.30 p.m. Pacific time start. Houston, uh, since these two clubs last met back in May, back in early May, Houston's gone on to win their last 
three of four, uh, including a tight victory against the Portland Thorns. Um, so it's not going to be an easy feat for the rain here. Uh, they're going to get a nice little uh, few days of rest slash training in before they head down to Houston to battle the Sam Lady led squad. Sam Lady, if you do not know, is a former assistant coach with the rain uh, before, pre before taking an assistant coaching job down with Houston. So we head over here to our Seattle Seawolves who it would, you could say it was a mixed week, but considering uh, the larger picture overall and, and the possible outcomes of this week, it's not too bad. So over the course of the past week, which was yesterday, um, the Seawolves hosted the Eastern Conference leading New England Free Jacks on June 11th. That was a 26-34 loss. Our player of the match, uh, Pete Malcolm. Malcolm, two tries scored and 10 points scored as a total. Both of those tries late as the Seawolves tried to rally back. Um, Seattle in this one was just... There were too many, too many mistakes uh, for the Seawolves in this one against uh, a New England team that's very good. I mean, they're atop the Eastern Conference, well atop the Eastern Conference, um, and second in all of MLR in terms of points after this week. So to lose to New England's not necessarily a, a bad thing or something to be frowned upon, something to be disappointed with, but it's more so the way that it happened. You know, a lot of mistakes in the first half. Uh, Seattle was in a hole early. Excuse me, uh, 17 to 7 deficit at half that grew as the second half began. Seattle was able to thunder back, but ultimately ran out of time. Uh, New England added a try late and it just pushed them too far um, out of reach. So, unfortunate, of course. But before this match even began, as you can see on the banner below me, um, Seattle had locked up the number two seed in the West. It would have taken a San Diego uh, Legion, uh, excuse me, collapse for the Seals to have a chance at the top seed in the West. That wasn't going to happen because at the halfway point of their match against the Toronto Arrows, the Toronto Arrows, who we know, as I talked about in weeks prior, are not very good. Um, San Diego was losing. San Diego was losing 17 to 10, 17 to 7, pardon me, but would go on to score 43 unanswered points in the second half to decimate Toronto and lock up the top seed. So the Western Conference picture is figured out. San Diego is first. They get a week off. They will play the winner of Seattle versus Houston. So the Seawolves will host the Houston Sabercats here at Starfire Stadium in Tukwila. We'll get, when we get the time and date for that, we'll make sure to push that out. Um, but so playoffs are figured out. The only thing now that really you're trying to look for is building momentum going into the next week, going into the playoffs. And it's not an easy match to do it. So it, it, it not a team easy team to do it against. So the Seals sit at a 12 win and three loss record with 59 setting points, which is good for third in the league as a whole, second in the Western Conference behind San Diego, who the Seawolves will play this upcoming week on the road, June 18th at the Legion, a 4 p.m. Pacific time kick. That's a big battle, but both teams have essentially already, have, no, not essentially, have actually locked up their spot in the playoffs. So it's not like they've got a lot to play for. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much uh, either team really keeps their starters in or 
at all. You know, it would be very, very interesting to see the lineups for this game uh, when that comes around. We'll go over here to wrap up with our Seattle Star of the Week. And given her performance and, and what it means at this time of the year, I mentioned it in that segment that the World Cup is coming up, the Women's World Cup. I went with Sofia Huerta. Uh, Sofia, one goal, one assist performance, was very, very integrated into the reign offensive attack. Um, and I, I think it just makes sense. I think it just makes sense. It's a perfect time for her. She should be making that World Cup roster. Uh, there's uh, Lou Barnes said it in the postgame presser. There's no outside back like Huerta. And it's true. I mean, with the, the sort of offensive attack that she brings as well as the defensive presence that she still has, despite being in that a sort of attacking role, um, there really isn't an outside back like Huerta, a fullback like Huerta. Uh, strong performance, factoring into both goals. I know with the first goal, with the goal being a penalty, a lot of people don't really consider it, but I'm going to consider it, um, especially considering the fact that she stepped up on her own, made the decision um, to go out and take that penalty. So that's why I went with Sophia. She's been excellent since she joined the reign, uh, first being used as a forward with Fareed Benstini when he was here before going back to outside back. And, and really excelling at that position for the rain, helping make up that incredible back four. So before I go here, you know, I'd, uh, nice to commemorate Sue Bird and what she has meant. Um, this sort of confetti that you can see here with Bird's logo and signature dropped after um, the 10 went into the rafters. Now, this isn't the exact same. They didn't put the, the black jerseys into the... Um, into the rafters, but it only makes sense to break this out today. And even then, uh, on top of that, on top of the jersey itself, I've got the giveaway shirt um, from last year. So uh, just great to commemorate uh, the greatest athlete in Seattle history. I mean, nobody can top the four league titles, the five gold medals on top of the incredible bevy of other achievements that Bird has accomplished in this city uh, and representing um, what we do here. So until I see you next week, uh, we continue throughout the, the month of June. I almost said a week of June. I, I promise. I know what I'm talking about sometimes. Until we see you then take care of yourselves. Enjoy the weather. Uh, hoping to see some more success with our sports teams by the time that we get back to you. Take care of yourselves. Be well and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.